Tomorrow is the mayoral election in the Windy City, and it is a crowded field. There are nine candidates in the race. The early voting numbers are huge, and the latest polls would suggest for any number of reasons that it is going to be a few days before we perhaps know who comes out on top. A couple of things, though, seem certain today, the day before election. One, voters are not happy with African-American incumbent Mayor Lori Lightfoot. She's trailing badly in the polls. And African-American Brandon Johnson is surging. I am pleased to welcome Brandon Johnson to this program. Mr. Commissioner, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, Brother Tavis. Man, thanks for having me. It's my great honor to have you on. So let me just start with the obvious. So how are you feeling the day before the big day? You know, feeling feeling really, really, feeling really good, man. Um very much humbled by all of this. Um, and this is not something that I, you know, initially anticipated coming out of my, my teaching career here in Chicago, but I'm feeling very excited about just the, um, the excitement really around my candidacy that has caught fire, captured the imagination of people throughout the city of Chicago. And I'm certainly well positioned to, um, to take the movement to the fifth floor, as they say here in Chicago. Exactly. Um, I know that candidates aren't uh, usually uh, keen on talking about their opponents, and I'm not going to ask you to do that a lot. But I do want to ask this one question because you're talking to a national audience who doesn't understand necessarily Chicago politics the way uh, many of us do. Um, but what happened to Lori Lightfoot? She came in four years ago with all this uh, aplomb. She was a, a history maker, and now she's trailing so badly in this race. What happened to, to, the, to the first African-American mayor of Chicago? Yeah, she Fe- broke every single promise. Female, female, I'm sorry, female mayor. I, I know yeah. her at Washington. Yeah, of course. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, look, she broke every single promise, um, Tavis, just to be very direct with you. Um, I've been a part of organizing in the city of Chicago for some time now, organizing around an education justice, housing justice, uh, food insecurity or food apartheid, as we say. Mm-hmm. Um, again, housing, environment. I mean, all the different movements that we've been connected to over the last decade plus. Um, she made promises and commitments to people um, and to communities and broke every single promise. Um, when we were pushing for uh, more democracy in the city of Chicago for an elected representative school board, she said she was cool with that. She becomes mayor. She said, nah, I'm not so cool with it. Uh, pushing for environmental justice. There was a toxic waste dump um, that was moving onto the southeast side of Chicago where most brown and black people live. Um, she was insistent on allowing this corporation to set up shop there. Uh, during the pandemic, there was an explosion in one of the communities, Little Village, um, that she gave granted uh, permission to this corporation to blow up a smoke stock stack in the middle of the pandemic, smoke all over the community. Um, you know, when we were pushing for progressive revenue. Um, she comes out the gate. She says, you can't keep taxing those with means. She said it's not fair to them. So when it came to the environment, education, to housing, um, to how we build for a more progressive uh, form of revenue and not the regressive forms that has been the tendency across the country. Um, all of these promises that she made to people who've been um, struggling on the ground, right, to bring attention to these dynamics, she broke all of them. And she has not been able to get along with anybody in the city of Chicago, and it's you know, caused a great deal of despair and disappointment. And so the city of Chicago is, is obviously ready to move past her. Enough about in Lord. fact, they already have. Quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, if you look at these poll numbers I'm looking at, and obviously you are more so than I am, um, she's so far back in the pack. Um, I guess it, uh, anything could happen. Miracles do happen. But um, I don't think anybody in Chicago who I've talked to covering this race expects her to be uh, one of the top two finishers. It, it certainly appears there'll be a runoff. Uh, and it may very well be that Brandon Johnson is one of the two persons in that runoff. We've talked a bit about uh, Lori Lightfoot, for those, of course, who know about her making history four years ago. 
ago, wanted to give you a sense of what happened over the last four years. Certainly in L.A., where this station is flagshipped, all the herd across the nation, we now have our first black woman mayor, Karen Bass. Hopefully she doesn't end up like Lori Lightfoot four years from now. So there's a cautionary tale uh, for the woman mayor of our city. That said, when we come forward, enough about the current mayor. We'll talk about Brandon Johnson and his campaign and how a teacher, how a teacher uh, could be in the runoff for mayor of the city of Chicago. We'll talk more with Commissioner Brandon Johnson when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. It does indeed with Brandon Johnson, who uh, could very well be one of the two uh, top finishers tomorrow in the race for mayor in Chicago. Uh, There's a guy named Paul Vallis, uh, who is the choice of the police union, uh, better known as the Fraternal Order of Police in Chicago. So Paul Vallis, a white male, um, is the choice of the police union, and Brandon Johnson, Cook County Commissioner, uh, is the choice, for obvious reasons, of CTU, the teachers' union in Chicago. Uh, but I keep reading everywhere I look, Brandon, that uh, whether you win or whether he wins, ultimately one of y'all is going to be beholden to a major organization, a major entity going in, and, and that ain't easy. So he's going to owe the police department if he wins. You owe the teachers' union if you win. What say you, Mr. Johnson? Well, I'm going to be responsible for the people of the city of Chicago, Tavis, and quite frankly, <clears throat> of course, I'm happy to have the support of of my colleagues. I mean, teachers, teachers' assistants, crossing guards, you know, all of the individuals that make up uh, the working class of the city of Chicago. I'm also supported by SEIU. Um, these are healthcare workers, child care providers. These are people who work um, in, 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 in nursing homes and, um, again, serving the public, right? And so I actually believe what's actually very much possible. And what I'm actually fascinated by this entire moment is that Paul Vallis was in charge in the 90s of the budget. And I was in high school when when Paul Vallis was screwing up the budget then. And this is why we have the economic crisis that we are living through right now. So the battle really is going to be over the old form of politics that have left families behind or better, stronger, safer Chicago that's possible uh, with someone who comes very much out of the working class, right? My father was a unionist. He was also a general contractor. He was a pastor, right? So a lot of pressure when your father's just like Jesus, by the way, David. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, coming out of, you know, that, that deep history, yeah. right, of, 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 of the civil rights movement, the labor rights movement, as Dr. Keene articulated, uh, what enormous potential it would have if it were ever to collide. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And so this is a moment where, you know, the city of Chicago and, quite frankly, the rest of the country um, gets to see play out um, on, on front and center, um, how the politics of old, of austerity budgets, um, the privatization of, of schools, the dismantling of, of the public labor workforce, particularly black folks um, who saw this as a route to the middle class, um, and someone who embodies that, myself, who was raised um, you know, under that dynamic in the 80s and the 90s, of course, under you know, Reaganomics and all of the other dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we look at the three strikes uh, 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 law and policy, like we are moving a better, stronger, safer Chicago forward. And I'm looking forward to being accountable uh, to the people who are responsible to get us to the fifth floor. I'm watching my time. And uh, honestly, I'm watching your time. I got 10 minutes left on your watch. You got a campaign to run. You got an election tomorrow. Um, So let me just get a few more things out in the 10 minutes I have left with you. Um, For starters, um, I mentioned you mentioned that you are a former teacher. You're now a Cook County commissioner. Um, you could be the next mayor of the city of Chicago. Give me some sense of how a teacher ends up in politics. Yeah. So, you know, when I was teaching, I started teaching in the Cabrini Green community. Oh, yeah. And folks probably around the right the world know Cabrini, Cabrini Green, Green. there, you know, 
it's the it captures the essence of the city of Chicago because in Cabrini Green, my students could see and hear and practically walk to one of the richest neighborhoods in the world downtown. Mm-hmm. Out of their front windows, though, there were bulldozers staring them down, preparing to destroy their public housing. And so my students would come into the classroom every day with this dichotomy, right? And that's really what the city of Chicago has consisted of over the course of generations, where families chase down this economy that's behind them while everything in front of them is crumbling. And as a result of that, you know, my work as a teacher, um, when I would close my door, all of the societal challenges that, he, that um, were pervasive outside the classroom would, would, would be front and center in the, in the classroom, housing, economic opportunities, jobs. And so I took, you know, my role as a teacher and moved down into organizing, pushing for better schools and better school communities. And once I left the classroom and became an organizer, we kept running into politicians who just refused to acquiesce and respond to the needs of working people and poor people. And someone finally came to me and said, Brandon, we need to prove that a black man with your ideology can win in a black district. Mm-hmm. And there was a brother in that position who was more of a corporatist, um, just, you know, sort of a, di- a typical corporatist Democrat. Brother, smart, but had very, very conservative proclivities. And they said, look, let's see if our organizing can translate into electoral power. And so I ran um, a huge district, over 300,000 constituents, and uh, we ran a platform on health care for all, protecting the workers, challenging that the ultra-rich pay their fair share, and I won by 436 votes. And now that same movement that elected a teacher to the county board of commissioners, a multi-billion dollar budget, Mm -hmm. um, that same movement is saying, look, we need to run um, at the executive level, and, yeah. and that's why our campaign is called Fire, and people are getting excited. What do you make of the fact that uh, Paul Vallis, who mentioned earlier, who's supported by the police department, I'll come back to that in just a second. We can't let this conversation in without talking specifically about crime in Chicago. Uh, it's obviously on the minds of every voter in that city. Um, but how does, the, how does the only white guy, there are nine of you in the race, you got black folk, you got brown folk, Chewy Garcia, congressman, who I know, you got black and brown in the race, and the only white guy of the nine is one of the leaders. Uh, it could be a runoff between you and Paul Vallis coming tomorrow night or the next few days how does a white guy in chicago a multiracial, multi-ethnic city like chicago right now end up being one of the front runners brandon did i lose you did you, did you, did you, did you your mute button on your phone perhaps brandon can you hear me now it was, it was just getting good he may have hit a mute button on his phone i don't know let me see Brandon, one more time. Brandon. Yeah, no, we lost. Some there you go. There you go. There you go. Uh, Woo! I, I, let me let me get him back. Now, okay. This is uh, this is Brandon. Calm guy. I'll get him back for you. Just one second, please. All right. Let's uh let's get uh this is Brandon's comms guy. For those who don't know politics, that just means uh, communications. He's the guy doing the communication. Somehow he got disconnected. Um, but anyway, I was saying that there. While we get Brandon back on the line right quick and make the most of these last five minutes here, um, Paul Vallis is the only white person, uh, the only white candidate running in this race for mayor. There's a field of nine of them. Uh, and I, I want to ask uh, uh, Brandon in a second here, how does a, a white guy in a city that is so multicultural, multiracial, multiethnic these days that just had uh, or has had for the last four years a historic uh, African-American woman as mayor, you know, now look in the other direction, if you will. Uh, I'm just fascinated how a white guy um, could be uh, one of the front runners. Brandon, are you back yet? Not yet. Um, so we'll ask we'll ask him about that. Uh, and I also, uh, again, want to talk about the issue of crime. Um, it, it, it troubles me sometimes. Some of you've heard me say before, I live in L.A., but outside of L.A., Chicago is my favorite American city. I love 
the city of Chicago. It may have to do something with the fact that I grew up in Indiana, right next door to Chicago as a kid. Spent a lot of time in Chicago. Went to college at Indiana University. A lot of my friends at IU. I came to IU from Chicago as a kid in college. I worked on the campaign of Harold Washington, who became the first black mayor. So I love the city of Chicago. Um, and yet, um, while I love that city, sometimes it seems unfair that when you talk about Chicago, crime is always the issue at the top of the agenda, but you can't run away from it. You cannot talk about the mayor's race in Chicago without talking about the issue of crime. And so we'll uh, hopefully get a chance to ask Brandon about that as well. Um, as you also know, right now, the four largest cities in the nation have African-American mayors, Chicago, of course, being one of them. Uh, if Brandon Johnson can pull this off and take the seat of Lori Lightfoot, that tradition, for the moment at least, would continue. But it means something uh, uh, to, uh, uh, in this moment, have African-American mayors who are leading the four largest cities in the nation. Uh, and so um, many people uh, around the country who have not followed Chicago politics were a bit surprised, I think, to, to realize that the incumbent mayor there, Lori Lightfoot, has fallen so far behind in the polls of these nine people. She not, you know, she not one, two, or three. Um, she's kind of fallen behind uh, in the polls that I've been following, uh, watching this race. And so it's going to be fascinating tomorrow to see uh, if um, the pollsters are wrong. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time uh, that pollsters were wrong about the outcome of a particular election. Um, but um, we will see. Uh, but I'm reading some stuff this morning from David Axelrod. You know the name David Axelrod. Axelrod is the is the is the brother who ran uh, the white brother who ran Barack Obama's campaign successfully uh, and got him to the White House not once but twice. Uh, so Axelrod is an expert on things uh, in Chicago, uh, certainly politically. Uh, and he said it would be uh, not quoting here exactly, but he said it would be uh, it, it would be difficult <laughs> uh, to see um, at this point. Uh, anyway, that Lori Lightfoot could come back uh, and uh, be one of the top two finishers in the mayor's race in Chicago tomorrow. But again, pollsters have been wrong before, so who knows? Um, we will see. Um, but uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, who I uh, wanted to have on today because of, of the nine persons running, he's been surging of late. So Paul Vallis, it appears, is going to be uh, the person that comes out on top tomorrow. Um, but uh, the fight now is for that second slot. Who's going to force um, Paul Vallis into a runoff? And again, all the polls we're looking at at the moment suggest this young brother, Brandon Johnson, who you've been listening to, very impressive, uh, may be the one who uh, ends up um, being in the runoff with uh, Paul Vallis. Um, so I got two minutes before news and sports and traffic. Uh, did we get Brandon back? So, Brandon, I got <laughs> I got three minutes left here. Let me ask you right quick, two things in three minutes. How is a white guy in a field of nine candidates and a multicultural, multiracial, multi-ethnic city like Chicago even in the front running? Yeah, he's catching the conservative vote. I mean, this this is actually not surprising. Right. Um, you know, I'm confident that he'll he'll cap out. Believe it or not, there okay. are a handful of Republicans that do live in the city of Chicago. Okay. Um, and finally here, the issue of crime. As I was saying a moment ago, I was trying to get you back on the line, that Chicago is my favorite American city. I love Chicago, and I hate the fact that Chicago is always, you know, exhibit A when you talk about crime in America, but you can't avoid it when you're running for mayor. So what say you about how to fix crime in Chicago, Brandon Johnson? Yeah, I lived through it, man. My wife and I, 25 years, we're raising our three children on the west side of Chicago. We love it. It's beautiful. Austin neighborhood is one of the largest concentration of black folks anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, but with all of its beauty, it does have its challenges, right? Because of disinvestment over the course of gener a generation now, it is one of the more violent communities. And so I live it every single day raising my children here. And so it's very simple. 
safe American cities all have one thing in common. They invest in people. And that's what my public safety plan calls for. Mm-hmm. You know, we invest in making sure that we are hiring young people. I'm going to double the amount of young people that we hire. We're going to make the positions year round. There's a direct correlation between youth employment and violence reduction. There's an ordinance that I'm going to pass within the first 100 days of my administration. It's called Treatment Not Trauma Tab. It's what it does is it provides first responders to respond to the 911 calls that are overwhelmingly mental health crises. And so we're going to have EMTs and social workers and counselors and therapists that show up to confront those challenges. There's an awful situation on the west side. Quantonio Legreer, young brother coming home from college, had a mental health crisis. Our neighbor came to his defense, Betty. They both are dead. Mm. Only equipment on the scene were actual, actually guns. Yeah. We passed treatment that trauma. That frees up law enforcement to focus on the more severe violence in the city of Chicago because 40% of the violence that happens in the city of Chicago, it takes place in 6% of the entire city. Yeah. So this is about being smart. We're going to yeah. open mental health centers. Yes, we're going to promote detectives, detectives within um, our department, but it's really calling for a full investment plan. And, and that's what it's going to take to have a safe, stronger, better Chicago. Yep. Let me close with this. Um, uh, I'm gonna, I only have like 90 seconds, but you've been stumping for a while now, so you can do it in 90 seconds. For those in the national audience um, who are getting a chance to hear you in this way for the first time, with all the drama that you face in the city of Chicago, I asked this question to Karen Bass here in Los Angeles, with all the drama in this city, why would you want to be mayor of L.A.? So I asked you in 90 seconds, Brandon Johnson, why does a young, brilliant brother like yourself even want to be mayor of Chicago? Why, brother? Yeah, look, what I want for my family, I want for every single family in the city of Chicago. And the politics of old that have left families behind, particularly black families, we have to turn the course. On the county board, I moved um, a piece of legislation, resolution called the Budget for Black Lives. And it was taken after A. Philip Randolph when they put together the Freedom Budget for All Americans that set up the, the entire country to ultimately bring in a new deal. I'm running for mayor of the city of Chicago to make sure that the liberation that we have been seeking for an entire generation Mm -hmm. and then some in this country, that we can fulfill that. And I'm very humbled by that. And the fact that that budget for black lives had led to the largest amount of universal basic income in the entire entire country, of which black and brown women are overwhelmingly the recipients of that. We can retire up to $1 billion of medical debt because of that resolution. We also have invested hundreds of millions of dollars into violence prevention. I've done that as a Cook County commissioner, and I'm prepared to do that and then some as the next mayor of the city of Chicago. A little late on news, traffic, and sports. Stand by for that, but didn't want to uh, cut him off, uh, given that we lost him for a second there. Brandon Johnson is my guy. He's a a good brother, Uh, and uh, he's running for mayor of Chicago. He's uh, presently a Cook County commissioner, and he's the one who is surging in this race. I can guarantee you, you already know this, whatever happens or doesn't happen tomorrow in Chicago will be national news, but I expect that in the next 48 hours you will hear uh, that Lori Lightfoot, uh, according to polls, has missed out on being in the runoff. Uh, She will be apparently uh, a one-term mayor in Chicago, but there is a brother standing in the wings. His name is Brandon Johnson. He could be, could be the next mayor of the city of Chicago following in the historic footsteps of Harold Washington. Brandon, all the best the rest of the campaign, sir. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you again. All right, brother. Stay strong. After news, traffic, and sports will continue. Stay with us on KBLA Talk 15.